Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. The episodes of this podcast deal with murder, dismemberment, torture, rape, child abuse, and mental illness. Please turn back while you still can. Listener discretion advised. I'd like to take a moment to discuss a few comments that I've gotten on this channel. There have been some comments left expressing thanks to the people who were involved in these cases. Some people say that they would never be able to handle working directly with these type of awful cases. But there are other ways that you can help out. You can donate to some organizations that help the victims of crimes like these. The National Network to End Domestic Violence, or NNEDV, Safe Alternatives to Violent Environments, SAVE, or Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, RAIN. These are some great charities that you can donate to that help victims of crimes like the ones in this show. Candace Diaz and her boyfriend, Brad Fields, spent four months beating Diaz's four-year-old daughter, Gabby. They used violence as a means of punishing the young girl for having potty training accidents. Finally, they put her in a bathtub and burned her with scalding water until she died of septic shock. This is Monsters. Come back and find out that he's deceased. Tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me I'm, you know, let me see your phone. Just kill her and she dies. I think Diego Campione is totally in the wrong and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins. Hell's not a very fun place. I only have two hands. I'm not four hands, girl. I'm two hands. I never know. Just get escalated and escalated. Research conducted by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services shows that child abuse repeats itself from generation to generation. They say that people who were abused as children are more likely to abuse their own children. A study published in the Journal of Adolescent Health found a significant relationship between maltreatment victimization and maltreatment perpetration. Child abuse becomes a vicious cycle. A child suffers from abuse, physical and mental, and when they become an adult, they abuse their own children. It's a cycle that we need to figure out how to stop. This case is a perfect example of that cycle of abuse. Candace Diaz grew up in an abusive home herself. She suffered severe burns when she was four years old in a house fire. Diaz's mother left her in the care of her alcoholic grandmother when the fire happened. Diaz's mother and grandmother were given a one-year sentence for second-degree criminal abuse in connection with the incident. The fire caused burns from head to toe on Diaz, and she underwent multiple surgeries. Though Diaz's mother, Cynthia Diaz, eventually had her parental rights taken away, Candace would end up living with her as an adult. Gabrielle Barrett's biological father was Kyle Barrett. The couple had been living with Cynthia when Gabby was born on July 3rd, 2013. Kyle left when the girl was only three or four months old, and Diaz remained at her mother's house with Gabby. It's unknown why Diaz and Barrett ended their relationship, but both of them had shaky histories with the law. Barrett was in prison at the time of his daughter's death, and was released just two days later. He had voluntarily turned himself into authorities the previous September due to an outstanding warrant. It's not clear what that warrant was for. According to Cynthia's testimony, Diaz met Brad Fields in early 2015 when Gabby was about 18 months old. 
Diaz started spending more and more time at Fields' home, and Gabby continued living with her grandmother. Cynthia testified that the school district wouldn't allow her to put Gabby into preschool without being her legal guardian. Because of that, in September of 2017, Gabby went to live full-time with Diaz and Fields in the mobile home that they lived in. At that time, Cynthia testified that Gabby was potty trained, but she did still have accidents. By that time, Diaz had had another baby, Zoe, who was fathered by Fields. It's important to note that in this case, there were no records of Zoe being abused or neglected. Brad Fields was no stranger to the law. In 2016, police responded to a report of domestic assault. While there, Diaz claimed that Fields had punched her in the head repeatedly, smashed her cell phone, shot her dog, and then shot himself in the leg. She managed to get away and make it to a community building where she called 911. While she fled, she said Fields yelled, quote, See if you can outrun these bullets, end quote. While in the house, one officer stated, quote, The smell in the house was quite foul due to old garbage, decaying food, uncleaned dishes, dog urine on the living room floor, dog feces in the children's room, a rabbit with unchanged wood shavings, and general uncleanliness. There were flies of all sorts in the air throughout the house, end quote. Upon searching the house, police found blood, a taser gun, prescription pills, and a box containing multiple crack and marijuana pipes. They also located a camouflage bag containing several knives, two forty caliber magazines, one nine millimeter magazine, and other items. A Smith & Wesson thirty eight special was found in the bathroom heater floor grate. A forty caliber Glock and a scale were found in the living room floor grate. Someone had attempted to file off the serial number on one of the guns. Fields was arrested, but three days later, Diaz went down to the police station and said she no longer wanted to press charges. She claimed that Fields was schizophrenic and had not been taking his medication. She confessed to authorities that the guns were hers, and since one had had the serial number scratched off and the other one was unregistered, she was arrested. While being processed, officers found a blank prescription pad in her possession. She pleaded guilty to possession of prescription forms and altering a firearm and was given two years probation. If you plan to go to the police station for any reason, especially if you're going to claim that illegal guns were yours, don't bring a stolen prescription pad with you. Just leave all of your stolen goods, drugs, and drug paraphernalia at home. It seems that the couple's main reason for their abuse towards Gabby was the fact that she was wetting herself. This is a very common theme when it comes to the abuse of children. It's the third time this season it's been a catalyst for abuse. And like I've mentioned in other episodes, it's more common for children who are abused to wet the bed, making it a vicious cycle that they will never be able to beat out of the child. During Cynthia's testimony, she said that Gabby was potty trained at the time of her return to Diaz and Fields full-time, though she did still have some accidents. The teaching assistant, Miss Lorraine, testified that Gabby had no issues using the bathroom in her preschool classroom. Did you, um, did you come before, come, become familiar with her uh, toilet habits of Gabrielle Barrett? In our classroom, they leave the classroom, well, it's, the bathroom is in the classroom, so whenever they need to go, they just go. 
the students just go to the bathroom yes. by themselves? Did uh, Gabrielle Barrett ever have a problem using the, the bathroom at school? No, she did not. Their history of violence toward the young girl is documented in a series of Facebook Messenger texts to each other. In one message to Diaz, Fields tells her that he had, quote, smacked her in the face twice, end quote, after she had an accident. Another message from Diaz to Fields instructs him to, quote, smack her ass, end quote. Fields wrote to Diaz that, quote, it's going to hurt her real bad if she doesn't fucking stop, end quote, referring to Gabby urinating on herself. Other messages detailed how they made the girl take cold baths, struck her in the mouth, and would make her sleep in the cold living room on a garbage bag in nothing but her underwear. In one message, Fields threatens to urinate on Gabby in order to punish her. On New Year's Day of 2018, Gabby was placed in a tub of scalding water, where her little body finally gave out and she died. When she became unresponsive, Diaz called her mother, who, instead of calling 911, traveled to the couple's mobile home, which took her roughly 30 minutes. When she called you, can you describe her demeanor? The only thing I can tell you is she was crying, and she said Gabby wasn't responding, and all I know is I said I'm on my way. Okay. Um... She said Gabby wasn't responding. Is that what she said? Yes, ma'am. And how far at that point when you received that phone call were you from the trailer where Gabby lived? Took me 30 minutes. I was in Westland. And about what time of the day or night did you receive that call? I received the call between 9.30 and 10 o'clock, quarter to 10, I'm not sure exactly, um, in the morning. And you say that it took you about a half an hour to arrive. Yes, ma'am. She speaks as though this is just another regular day. She's so casual about the specific event where her granddaughter died. Of course, this is the same woman who lost her parental rights to her own daughter, so I don't know why I would expect anything different. Once she arrives, she claims that she took over performing CPR from Fields and told Diaz to call 911. That call didn't happen until 36 minutes after the call to her mother, and who knows how long Gabby had been unresponsive before she was called. Detective Sergeant John Toth testified as to when the calls were placed by Diaz to her mother and to 911. Sergeant Toth, or Detective Sergeant Toth, my apologies. Are you aware of when... Uh the 911 call was placed. I believe it's 10.41 a.m. on uh, January 1st, 2018. In part of your uh, investigation, did you have the opportunity to observe Cynthia Diaz's cell phone? Yes. Okay, and that, um, for recollection's sake, is uh, the grandmother who testified on the first day of trial. Yes. All right. Did you uh, observe the call log to Cynthia Diaz's phone? Yes. And how many calls did you see placed uh, to her uh, from Candace Diaz's phone on the first? The exact number, I can only estimate it from recollection, to be on, on the low side probably five and on the high side seven. Okay. And do you remember uh, the time 
in which uh, the phone call was that was that was answered before the 911 call? The uh, phone call that, when you look at the phone logs, uh, you can see that the very first call is. Did you learn the difference in time between the 911 call and the call to Cindy Diaz? Yes. It's 10.05 is the call to uh, Cynthia Diaz and 10.41 to 911. Thank you. So 10.05 to Cynthia Diaz? Yes. And, and 911 was what time? Uh, 10.41. I think it's 36 minutes. So it's 36 minutes later? Uh, yes, at least so. When police arrived, she told them a story about how Gabby had started her own bath the day before and accidentally burned herself. She didn't seek medical attention for her daughter at that time. She claimed that her daughter wanted to take a bath again that day, so she filled the tub halfway and left Gabby alone while she was making pancakes. When she came back, Gabby was lying face up in the tub, non-responsive. There were, and still are, many questions as to what really happened to Gabby that day. All of the adults involved claimed to have attempted CPR, but Officer George Salajan, who was one of the first officers on the scene, didn't see any of them performing CPR. And sir, did you see a little child? Yes. Where? Laying on the floor. Where? In the bathroom. What was going on, with, if anything, in the bathroom with that little child? Upon me walking into the bathroom, nothing was going on. No, was anybody doing anything for her? Not at that moment. Did she appear to, um, what did she, how did she appear to you at that time? To me, she appeared dead. She appeared lifeless. Diaz claimed that Gabby had been taking a bath, but Officer Salajan testified that he didn't notice any water in the bathroom. During the time that you were in the bathroom, was there ever any evidence of water anywhere? The, there, there were some towels that were damp, but that's, and I believe I remember her hair being damp, but that's all the what I recall about any water in the bathroom. Was there any splashing water on the floor anywhere else? Not that I noticed. Was there any, um, was, was her body wet in any way? Not, no. Was any of the adults here to have any water on them? No. Were you, did you bend down in the bathroom? Yes. Did you get any water on you? I did not. Even Cynthia, who many believe was doing her best to cover for her daughter, testified that she didn't see any water in the bathroom either. Did you notice any water in that bathroom at all? No. No, you did not notice? No, there was no water in the bathroom. There was no water in the bathroom that, at all. Is that correct? Not on the floor, not in the tub, no, ma'am. And there was, was Gabby wet at all? No. Was your daughter wet at all? No. Was Brad wet at all? To my knowledge, no. Police attempted CPR on Gabby until the paramedics took over and she was transported to the hospital. Paramedic Sarah Crum testified that Candace Diaz rode in the ambulance with Gabby on their way to the hospital. During this time, she was able to ask her questions in order to get additional information about the situation. This brings us to our last question about what really happened to Gabby that day. 
Diaz had told 911 and officers that Gabby had taken a bath the day before and had burned herself then. Our notes on the way to the call stated that it was a possible drowning. Did you, uh, was there another adult who was related to Gabby present in, in the ambulance with you at the time? Uh, the mother was in the front seat of the ambulance. Okay. Did you inquire or ask her some questions as to what happened to help you with your medical treatment? I did. Okay, and uh, did you ask her um, at some point about the burns that you observed? I did. And did you get a response back? I did. And when did she, did she tell you about something about when those burns occurred? She said being home on oh, board. Uh, the mother, Candace Diaz? Yes, she said it happened the day before. Okay. Uh, did in your uh, have you dealt with burns before in your job? Right. Okay. In your opinion, did these burns look like they had been treated at all? No. And why or what stood out to you as to why they had not been treated? What led you to that conclusion? They were not bandaged. All right. Did you um, did you? Well, let me ask you this: Have you seen burns before? I have. Did they appear to be? Let me ask this question. In your training, can you tell the difference between something that is a new burn or an old burn? Can you tell the difference or not? Not necessarily. Okay, very good. Were there any bolts on the babies on her body? Any what? When you get the burns, and they, they had a little bubbles on them, was it? Uh, she did not have any blisters. Blisters, I'm, um, You can tell I'm not trying to tell uh, So what'd you say? Uh, she didn't have any blisters because most of the skin was missing. Okay. Now, was the skin that was missing, was it pink or was it brown like me? It was bright red. Bright red. Okay. Did that lead you to make any conclusion about what you were seeing? Did it look to be fresh or new or what? Or you could not make that determination? I couldn't tell. Okay, but it was red in color. Correct. Very good. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. How's it she was burned so badly that the skin was missing and Diaz claimed that it had happened the day before and that she hadn't sought medical attention. The medical examiner explained to the difference between the different burn degrees. A first degree burn is basically a sunburn uh, where the skin is intact. A second degree burn, that, as we mentioned, the top surface of the skin uh, blisters off and erodes off. A third degree burn is where the burn actually uh, uh, burns through the second layer of the skin, which is the uh, dermis, and it can leave a scar. And then a fourth degree burn is where the burn actually goes through the entire skin surface, destroying the um, appendages and requires uh, a uh, skin grafting. No four-year-old is going to have second-degree burns and not be crying in constant pain, let alone playing in a bathtub without a care in the world. The paramedic continued talking to Diaz about what happened and was told the same story as the 911 operator and police. Did you ask her how this potential drowning happened? Not directly. Did she tell you anything about that? She stated that Gabby likes to take baths. She said it wouldn't be unusual if she took one for one to two hours, and the last time she saw her was approximately two hours before. Did she say that Gabby was in the bath this morning? Yes. Before the run? Yes. Okay. Oh and that she went to make breakfast, and Gabby was in the bathtub. Did she tell you that the symptoms for the reason that you're there for 911 being called started in the bathtub? Meaning, did she tell you that something started happening to Gabby while she was in the bathtub? She 
She stated that she came into the bathroom and found her face up in the bathtub. Under the water? She described it as her laying um, towards the back where the tub slopes, but that she was lower down in the water. Okay. And then did what she say uh, happened after that? Um, she said she pulled her out of the bathtub and she was vomiting. It's very unclear if Diaz and Fields are trying to claim that Gabby drowned. She tells people that when she went into the bathroom, she found Gabby unresponsive in the tub, but it sounds like she's saying that the girl was not underwater. On the way to the hospital, the paramedic described intubating Gabby. That's where they put a tube down the patient's throat when they're incapable of breathing on their own so they can continue getting air into the lungs manually. Did you notice any water when you did that in her lungs or throat or anything like that? I did not. Okay. Um, did you uh, make any observations as to her fingers? Her fingertips? Yeah. Um, they were not consistent with someone who would have been in the bathtub for an extended period of time. What, what led you to that conclusion? Just based on taking a bath? No. <laughs> they weren't pruned, like the pruning. Exactly. Like, okay, so when yeah. you get the bath, or, yeah. that little prune, and they, mm-hmm. uh, so that wasn't like that on the fingers Correct. of the child. Oh, so her fingers weren't pruned at all? They were not. All right. The paramedic also testified that Gabby didn't show any signs of being in water. While this is going on, Fields and Diaz were texting each other. Fields was still at their home, where police were conducting their investigation. Eventually, both of their cell phones were taken as evidence, and the messages were discovered by authorities. Detective Sergeant Toth reads the text messages at trial. Okay, so these these messages are sent during the time that my officers are out there, and they're dealing with the situation that child being Gabby has been moved to uh, the ambulance. Officer Salagin is under my instruction. I'm not even there yet. Um, I've been instructed on we need to get consent to, to, to start securing information about the residents, drawing it out and stuff. And while she's speaking with Salagin, this is what she's texting to Brad who's inside the house. All right. And what does she send to Brad? I'm probably going to, to jail. And does she follow up another statement? She does. Uh, get everything out of the house. ASAP, explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. She said something else? Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, a little bit later. Um, if she lives, uh, she's going to token from me saying I, do, I don't do nothing for the burns. When I put ointment on them, what the fuck? I'm done. I'm killing my fucking self. And what does Brad say in response? It looks like, let's check the time difference there. That's about seven minutes later. What did yeah. he say? Uh, they trying to rest and search me, too, and Zoe. If she lives, she says it as if that were an unfavorable outcome. If Gabby lives, she's going to say I don't treat her well even though I put ointment on her burns. What an ungrateful bitch. It never ceases to amaze me at the level of entitlement some people have. All right, and you said the 911 call was at 1041? Yes. So this was about 40 minutes after the 911 call. Was that? Roughly. Okay, and you were here earlier when you testified 
uh, or when uh, Officer Salgin testified, correct? Yes. And you saw those video clips from his body cam, correct? Oh, yes. And they showed uh, Bradfield in the in the kitchen area of that trailer, correct? Yes. And these messages were being sent right about that time when Bradfield had his cell phone, right? Yes, he said his cell phone at this point. All right. And he sends another message here, it looks like about 30 seconds later, right? Yes. What's he said? They can't do nothing. I'm going to jail because, or BC, I wouldn't sign uh, for them to search the house. All right. And does Candace, uh, does Candace send a response here a few moments later? Yes, she's responding to the, she, she responds, love you too. Diaz's daughter is dying, most likely already dead, and everything is about them. Her priority is herself and her boyfriend. Those texts were also happening while Officer Salajan was investigating in the bathroom. Even though Fields said that he didn't sign to allow them to search their home, they were able to obtain a search warrant. As a result of obtaining a search warrant, did you begin to search? Yes. Did you... Do a search into the bathtub? Yes. Did you recover any evidence from that tub? Yes. Um, sir, I'm going to play at this point what is People's Exhibit number 135 and 136. During the trial, Officer Salajan's body cam footage is played. It shows him removing something from the bathtub drain. You see some hands and a flashlight. Two hands and flashlight. Those are mine. At this point, do you have any idea what you're pulling out of there? Not, no, I, at that point, I did not. Did you go back again to look at what you pulled out after kind of taking a, a look around the bathroom? Yes. Go ahead. I don't know what this is. Guess it could be pieces of holy shit. That's skin, man. Sir, what made you determine that that was skin that you pulled out? Well, as I started to look at it closer, I was able to see what I believed were ridges of, as of a, like a fingerprint. Though the events of that day are not certain, it's clear that at some point, Gabby was put into that tub, which was full of scalding water, and it caused second-degree burns on her body. The burns were severe enough that the skin came off and some of it ended up in the bathtub drain. Gabrielle Barrett was pronounced dead at the hospital. The medical examiner determined that Gabby died of septic shock due to continual abuse. Well, in individuals that are under extremist um, circumstances with br multiple bruises, burns, and other areas can go into uh, what we call shock, where the, um, the uh, heart and um, circulatory system get infected and they just stop working. That's one uh, comment when individuals who have you know, severe burns and injuries will have septic shock. And was, are you able to tell us whether um, Gabrielle Barrett was suffering from a, some sort of shock syndrome? It, certainly, it would certainly be um, one of the medical um, uh, 
differentials when you'd see the individual uh, burns cause a loss of a lot of uh, fluids and electrolytes and uh, burns such as these could be uh, indicative of shock or, or result in shock. After being physically abused for months, the severe burns were more than her little body could handle and it finally shut down. In addition to the burns all over Gabby's body, the medical examiner found that she had cuts on the inside of her cheeks and bruises all over her body, signs that she had been abused regularly. Her hair was matted and filled with lice, and her teeth were decaying. The ME testified that these injuries would have been painful. It would be my opinion that the dental uh, decay in the mouth area would be a painful injury, and that the infliction of uh, the bruises and abrasions over time would be um, painful uh, when inflicted. And, and what about the burns? The burns are certainly uh, very painful injuries uh, and um, would have been uh, extremely painful to, at the time. After Gabby was pronounced dead, Diaz and Fields fled their home. They traveled south and were pulled over and arrested in Georgia not far from the Florida border. Police body cam footage shows the couple surrendering without incident. They were both charged with first-degree felony murder, second-degree murder, first-degree child abuse, and torture. Brad Fields went to trial, and that's where all of the testimony you heard here was from. His defense only really argued that Fields wasn't involved in the death of Gabby, even though Fields himself sent Facebook messages admitting to physically abusing her. It wasn't a strong defense. On October 9, 2018, Brad Fields was found guilty on all charges. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. He will die in prison. On December 5th, Candace Diaz accepted a plea deal in which she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and first-degree child abuse. The deal would drop the felony murder and torture charges. At her sentencing hearing, many people had some very harsh words for the 25-year-old woman. I would call Candace Diaz a mother, but I don't think that term is appropriate in this case. I think a mother is a person of endearment who cares for their children, uh, who tries to better them, nurture them, raise them in the world. There's a mother and father is a term that's safe for people who are willing to leave bits of themselves behind so that their children have a better place and a better chance in this world. What we've come to learn, uh, and what surely Gabrielle Barrett learned in the last months of her life, was that the person claiming to be her mother was no such person. The prosecutor continues. In the four short months that ended her life, when Candace Diaz came back in control of Gabrielle Barrett, she went from being a relatively healthy young child who liked to go to school, liked to hug her teachers, liked to hug her classmates, liked to make paper hats, liked to play with her little sister. She was taken and she was tortured. The person who was supposed to take care of her, the person who was supposed to raise her and make her better, made her worse. She starved her locked her in her room, forced her to wrap herself in a plastic bag on a cold night, only comfort coming from that black hefty bag, videotaped it, 
shared it with her boyfriend at the time. These are not the actions of a mother. In fact, I'm not sure these are the actions of a human being. Oh, snap. The prosecutor calls Diaz out on the way she treated her daughter, not only questioning her as a mother, but whether or not she's even human. He does believe that there's one positive outcome in this case, though. There's one thing that we can take away from this, though, and one thing that I'd like Ms. Diaz to think about for the rest of her life was that her and her co-defendant, Brad Fields, had a child in common, little Zoe. And the one thing I think that Gabby can take into her peace is that she saved her little sister from the torment, from the fear, and from the pain and suffering she surely would have faced under the care of those two people. The defense made a statement regarding Diaz's own past abuse. Obviously, words can't express the turmoil that this case has caused. But if I were to say anything on my client's behalf in relation to the extensive psychological evaluations that have been done on her behalf, if I could just say this one thing. She went through a living hell when she, in her first few years of her own life, where she was raised in Kentucky. And at that point in time, uh, she was in a house fire, which she was burned uh, dramatically. It caused not only physical scars and ongoing medical problems, but, but severe emotional scars, too. Emotional scars? These emotional scars somehow made her abuse her four-year-old daughter to death, but take perfectly good care of her one-year-old daughter? Interesting. If I could borrow a sentence from a psychological evaluation that was done for her, she suffers from long-term severe mental illness, triggered by a dysfunctional home, marred by neglect by, by her parents and grandmother for the first five years of her life. The severe burns that she suffered in the house required multiple surgeries for the next 14 years of her life. The scars and disfigurements became constant reminders of the feeling, feelings of helplessness she experienced during the fire. She stood in her kitchen burning and screaming in agony when her grandmother jumped out the window to save herself. These events are embedded in Ms. Diaz's memory, and they surfaced off and on, which leaves her struggling with uncontrolled anger, emotional disconnection, even from people she's supposed to care for, such as her daughter who died in this case. She had a choice as to whether she could emulate the people who abused her in her past or ensure she didn't become them. She chose to emulate them. As a victim of child abuse myself, I can't imagine a scenario where that would excuse me from physically abusing my own children. Judge Vonda Evans had the final word at the hearing. She didn't show any more restraint than the prosecutor. Your beautiful daughter, Gabby, was a sacrifice you gave that bomb brand to fulfill his sick and demonic sense of love and control. You and that monster systematically destroyed this beautiful child's spirit, body, but never her soul. You allowed him to put your child in a garbage bag when she wet herself to give her drugs. Your response was, Brad, be her ass. What crime could this precious child commit that would cause such severe punishment? None. 
You were more concerned about feeding Brad the bum than your own child. After he showed you a video of you, him torturing your child in a garbage bag, you, your response was, do you want some McDonald's? You are never a mother to your child. You are a female breeder who neglected your child for the love of a bum named Brad. Unfortunately, she didn't just neglect her child. She actively abused Gabby, causing her death. Judge Evans didn't agree with the prosecutor about his theory that Gabby may have saved Zoe from a similar fate, though. In the animal kingdom, male lions only kill cubs that are related to, that are not related to them. Then they impregnate the lioness with his offspring. This sick logic was practiced in the home of Brad the Bum. He, with your aid, killed your child and spared Zoe, which is another word for love. I disagree with the prosecutor. She never was at harm, not Zoe, because they wanted to get rid of the problem, and that was Gabby. On New Year's Eve, you both sent out visual cards of Zoe, Brad, and you. Happy New Year! But the person that was missing was Gabby. Because you knew that Gabby wasn't going to make it another year. There were no plans to have Gabby as a part of your new life. And you assisted this monster in, dr in the drowning of your beautiful, precious gift. That's right. On December 31st of 2017, Diaz and Fields sent out New Year's cards with a picture of them with Zoe. Gabby was absent from the photo. It was almost a premonition of what was to come the following day in the Diaz Fields home. It is fitting, as we embark on this holiday season, that you and Brad are where you both belong, behind bars like the animals that you are. This time the court is going to commit you to the Michigan Department of Corrections but no less than 30 years, no more than 60 years. The, court, the people agree to dismiss counts of one, four, five, and six. The court will give you 330 days credit. Candace Diaz was sentenced to 30 to 60 years in prison. The earliest she can be released from prison is 2048. She will be 55 years old. Zoe was taken by the state, and information about her situation is sealed. She's certainly in a better environment. If you like this show, please subscribe or leave me a rating on whatever podcast app you use. On YouTube, you can subscribe, hit like, or leave me a comment. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate a few dollars through Buy Me a Coffee. You can click the link on our website or YouTube channel, or go to buymeacoffee.com backslash monsters. If you shop on Amazon, you can go to our website and click on the Amazon banner, where you can purchase items at no additional charge, but will get a small commission. I'm always trying to increase my content and improve its quality, and your support will help me do that. Thank you in advance.